0: You're listening to If We Were Writing, a yeah. feisty, triathlon-ish podcast. I'm Kelly O'Meara, and together with Sarah True, we head off a weekly group ride where we dish yeah. on all triathlon news and everything else-ish we want to talk about. We're joined regularly by Khadijah Diggs and Jocelyn Wong-Neil, yeah. and Laura Sadal does her SID Talk segment, updating you on everything you need to know from the weekend. Subscribe wherever yeah. you get your podcasts. If We Were Writing is a production of Live Feisty Media. Join us on our group ride. Yeah. All right, we have a new guest this week. So everybody be on their best behavior. Marley Blonsky is joining us. Hi, Marley.
1: Hello. Hi. Hi, uh, Marley. Hi, guys.
0: And so Marley, you don't know, but I was out last week. And so I want to first ask, did everyone miss me? Did you guys
2: all talk about me while of I was gone? Of course. That's all we talked about <laughs> for the whole episode, Kelly, because we missed you.
3: We definitely missed you. Uh, but we know that you listen to the podcast, so you know that we missed you.
2: I did.
0: I wanted to take issue with uh, Jocelyn saying that I hated, I used to hate triathlon.
2: At some point, you became kind of disgruntled, did you not? Maybe it was
0: just with the people I knew.
2: Oh. oh. Tell They're us triathlon. more.
0: <laughs> Don't you guys get tired of triathletes sometimes? Isn't that like a problem?
3: Oh, Wait, yeah. <laughs> we have somebody on the podcast who, a guest who is not a triathlete. We don't want to discourage Marley from ever even thinking about the sport. So let's it's no, it's all sunshine and unicorns and triathletes are
0: super not annoying, Marley. Yeah. Just
1: like I love all cyclists.
0: Right. I actually now now before we before we get to the rest of the episode, I want to know what Marley thinks about triathletes.
1: Oh gosh. (laughs) Uh take your arrow bars off before you do a gravel race. Who? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's all i gotta say about it Did, um arrow helmets to- too <laughs> i mean that's your choice whatever but the arrow bars man um i just seen a lot of unsafe riding but i think triathletes as a whole are awesome and badass <laughs> and um i really respect that because that's a lot of that's a lot of effort
3: we yeah. like exercising we let's like just yeah but and guess, anybody who wants to do Unbound also clearly likes exercising, so... I feel
2: like even more exercising than I currently do at all. Maybe. I don't know. We'll talk about it.
0: We'll talk about it. That's coming up today. Uh, Marley's going to answer all our very triathlete questions about gravel and Unbound. We're going to talk about all bodies on bikes, uh, size inclusivity, Athena and Clydesdale categories, and of course, Sarah's random question for the day. All right, Marley. Unbound. I've been trying to explain it to people as the Kona of gravel. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, what, it's why? Kind of it's like what is this?
1: It's like the Super Bowl of bike events. Um it has become this huge media circus. It's kind of now that there's all these professional gravel racers with the Lifetime Grand Prix, um it really is kind of it's not the first event of the year, um but it's kind of the kickoff where everybody kind of gets a gauge of where everyone else is at. Uh, it is a huge unsupported gravel race in kansas there's five distances so there's a 25 mile 50 mile 100 200 and the xl which is 350 miles um you pay a lot to get in and there's very very little support um i i sound condescending i'm yeah, not it sounds just, great. It just sounds kind great. of setting the stage you know if you've heard people complaining about the mud or you know the lack of signage or water i mean that's what they tell you going into it. You'd have to bring your own support crew um, or pay to have crew for hire. Um, and it's just a big, dumb, gravel race in the middle of Kansas that I love doing.
4: Really? Did
2: it yeah. used to be called Dirty, Dirty. Kansas? It did. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay.
1: Yeah. And so it was known as that for a long time. And then I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, they changed it um, after feedback from the indigenous community. Um, Because the Kanza are actually a tribe in Kansas. Um, oh, so that's, that's very quite, offensive. Quite offensive. Um, huh? yeah. And a lot of, it's funny, people still show up on my social media like, oh, you're going to the DK racist race. And it's like, we have to give people the room to grow. Like, they changed it. They acknowledged, you know, why it was problematic. And they have made the changes. Right. And so, you know, you can continue to be mad about it. But you're going to be mad about everything if that's how you live your life.
0: I am mad about everything, actually. Um, <laughs> so, like,
3: yeah. I'm really, I'm really con- interested in this whole crew for hire. Thing. I know, me too. I was like, wait yeah. a second. Let's oh, tell me that. more. Can I have a crew <laughs> for hire? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't get passed
4: to unsupported. Every when she said unsupported, I was stuck right there. Yeah,
3: but. I want crews for hire all the time. I'm thinking like, you know, just regular activities. That sounds yeah. amazing.
1: It's pretty sweet. So um, let's say you don't have a crew, you know, your family's going out there or whatever. Um, There's for the 100 mile, there's one aid station, um, but you have to bring all your own food. So you send your family or your friends or whoever with a bag or a cooler or whatever you're going to need at that midway point. I often travel to races alone. And so I'll do the crew for hire. Um, and it's a fundraiser for a lot of folks. Yeah, um, and so they take your bags out there for you. You know, they've got like mechanics and kind of some nutrition or whatnot. And I, I think it's like 40 bucks or something. And um, it makes it a lot more accessible for folks who fly in or who, like me, are single. Like, I don't have a partner that I can convince to sit on the side of the road for eight hours and wait for
4: me. <laughs> If you're gonna be out there cheering anyway, you might as well get paid, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, okay. So
2: how do you apply to be a hired crew? Is this a whole thing? Or is I, it like is this like the people
0: on the side of the road that you pay in cash and they put your chains <laughs> on for you? You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: You know, I honestly I don't know. Um, I went through Ottawa Bike and Trail. They are a bike shop that's close to there, and they kind of work with their whole community and say, "Hey, we're gonna do support for hire at Unbound. If you wanna do it, get in touch." So I think if you want to do it, you'd be like, "Hey, we're doing a triathlete crew," um, and then you guys can have like your food that tria. I don't know food that <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually. so tell okay so you mentioned though like people complaining about the unsupported the mud okay the mud i heard all about the mud this year because yes. like and i watched the videos i've said i watched the videos and it looks stupid people like couldn't move and i've biked in that kind of mud and it's stupid like, it you is butter mud yeah you like have to stop every everybody feet.
3: <laughs> not delicious if you have to ride in it was no. um, it as dumb as it looked
1: it was as dumb as it looked um <laughs> especially because it started out so early so last year i did the hundred it was my first century last year and there was a very, very challenging mud section, but it came at mile 70 something. This year, the mud came at mile 10 for both the 100 and the 200 milers. And so people were cruising along, having a great day. And then it was just like, and you're stopped and hiking, basically. I didn't actually have that much trouble with the mud. Um, I've been riding bikes for a long time, doing a lot of stupid stuff. And I come from a bikepacking background. So it's like, I don't really have a choice to give up. It's like, you just suck it up and you keep going and you make the best of it. And I think a lot of folks just weren't mentally prepared for four miles of walking. Um, So it was stupid. It was challenging. A lot of people broke components on their bike. Um, I think a lot of people broke their souls. Um,
2: (laughs) 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 They don't sound as resilient as you, Marley. No,
1: I I, I like, I, So it was weird. I'm a slow cyclist. Um, By about mile three, I was by myself. And I had just kind of settled into the groove of, okay, we're going to be out here basically by myself all day. And then I went around this corner and I could see off in the distance literally miles of people just walking. And I was like, oh, God, if it's taking them this long. But once I got in there, I was able to ride most of it. So has anybody ever raced cyclocross?
2: No. No.
1: Um, (laughs) Are you familiar with it?
2: Yeah. I okay. actually, I did this, uh, it's on Wahoo system now, but a Sufferfest video workout, and it shows footage of like cyclocross races. So the one I did this morning, they're like going through sand, like at a beach. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. She's like, so you know how riding through mud is. And Jocelyn's like, I wrote it on the computer one
0: time. So I did. I,
1: <laughs> I wrote it on a virtual ride this morning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so I- I've raced cyclocross for like three seasons now, not very much, but enough to like be familiar with the feeling of like my bike slipping out from under me and, um, just kind of the bike handling skills. And so I think that Hmm. did me really well, but anyway, I passed a million people in the mud and all those people ended up quitting. There was like a 25% quit rate at unbound this year. It was unreal. Um, Somehow I still got last in the hundred miler
2: (laughs) of the finishers.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, yes. I think you're allowed to count the DNFs usually, like at least most of them, right? Like unless they like broke a leg, you're allowed to count them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that was Unbound. It, was, it wasn't the hardest race I've ever done. Like the mud was challenging. Um, but other than that, like the course is beautiful. Over 100 miles, there was, I think, 6,000 feet of climbing. So not even that much climbing. Um, and it was just a good day on the bike.
0: Interesting. But okay. I- so have any of you guys done a gravel race yet? Sorry, Sarah.
3: Oh, I was just going to ask about the start because I think that's what intimidates a lot of people. It's just the idea of thousands of people on their bikes starting at the same time in a very small space. Yes. Can you
1: tell us yes. a little bit about that? <laughs> yes. Um. So, I mean, I think it's similar to a marathon or triathlon where they have like the big stanchions that say, you know, seven hour pace, eight hour pace, and you just kind of it's self-seated. self-seated. So you line up where you want to be. Um the slowest time that they have is a 12 hour sign. And so I always line up at that, even knowing that it's probably going to take me 12 to 14 hours. This year was 16 and a half. Um, But I think it's what you make of it. You know, if you go to the front of the pack and you're up there elbow to elbow with folks who are super competitive and they intend to, you know, go to the red zone from the start, that's going to be scary as heck. Um, I think for me, starting further back um and then finding my groove it takes me a while to warm up it's always early in the morning um so i just kind of do my own thing um but again i'm not super competitive so this year they actually had separate starts for the pro men and the pro women which i heard was awesome i actually got to watch them go out um and it was cool just to hear them talking and i think it made it a much more enjoyable experience especially for the pro women who didn't have to deal with like you know average joe down the street who thinks he's super fast and yet they're racing for a paycheck so yeah, I don't get too intimidated by the start. Um, it's more so just like remembering to press start on my Wahoo. Um, yeah, okay. And like, oh yeah, we're actually doing this thing. So,
3: does, yeah. does it take a while to get to where the official start is?
1: Because I mean, there's so many thousands
3: because there's so
2: many people. Oh,
1: no, no, not really. Yeah. It's kind of it's it's like a corral on the street. So I imagine like a marathon, you know, it's a couple blocks long, um, but it's not that bad, especially because they send you out in waves. So they have the 200 mile start. And then an hour later, they have the 100 mile start um, and then the 50 and then the 25. So you're only out there with like only like 2000 other people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say I was like, Sarah, I think you're thinking of like, 50,000 person marathons. And I yeah. think this is like 1,000 or 2,000 people.
1: It was like 4,000, maybe 5,000 yeah. this year. Um, So still quite substantial. Um, The crappy thing this year was we got started and then literally a half mile down the road, there was a train. And so everybody had oh. their adrenaline going, <laughs> heart rate. And then we were stopped at the train for like five minutes. Huh. Oh, so, yeah, Didn't
4: that, that was... happen in Augusta last year? A train cut off part of the race?
2: Mm. hmm I've heard it happening at marathons where people are trying to call for buy for Boston and they got super pissy because they missed it by however many minutes the train was like going through. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, and it's interesting because so the 100 mile this year, they took away the time cutoff. Um, in previous years, you had to make it to the midway point basically with a 10 mile an hour average. And this year they took that away. And I think as long as you made the 3 a.m., which would be almost like a 20 hour century, which... It was a long time. They were, they didn't pull you off the course. So oh. I think that took a lot of stress away. Um, especially when we got stopped by a train, it was like, you know, if I was counting each second, it would have been a lot more stressful.
2: Wait, are there like time cutoffs for the longer distances that there are 350.
1: Yes. Um, I don't know exactly what they are. Um, but yeah, there are time cutoffs for that.
0: is <laughs> like picturing people just like wandering around for like days mm-hmm. out of the fields. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I oh, mean, honestly, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was about to ask. I was like, have any of us done a gravel? Have any of you guys done a gravel race? I,
3: I did a, a pretty short one, but
2: I've done mm-hmm. one.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I've never ridden a gravel bike. And the last time I rode a mountain bike was probably in college to bike to class. Nice.
4: <laughs> Khadija?: I've, I've never, I've never ridden a gravel bike or yeah. I've done some mountain biking um, and I did an off-road triathlon, but I've never done a um, gravel race.
0: It's so, gravel triathlon, I guess.
4: Yeah, I was, I have a
1: question because I like, I know my, my friend Meg Fisher, she's done like the Xterra, like the uh, off-road triathlon. Is that a gravel race?
0: No, or okay, is it so more it's mountain mad biking? Mountain biking. Okay. And now they're trying yeah. to make gravel triathlon a thing, which is like very confusing because it's like not mountain; it's gravel. It's like on dirt roads. So yeah. They're trying to make it a different thing than Xterra.
1: Interesting. Okay, Um, for me, I like gravel just because there's less cars. You get out into more scenic areas, but I also enjoy road riding. I enjoy mountain biking. If it's got two wheels, I enjoy it.
0: I think it probably depends on where you live too, right? Like if there's lots of dirt roads, then it makes a lot of sense.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is like gravel can mean so many different things depending on the roads by you. Um, You know, I live here in Arkansas, and it is like thick, chunky. Mm Big time gravel. You go out to Colorado and they call it like champagne gravel. It's pea sized, it's real easy. It's like (laughs) basically a paved road. Um, so I think you know, you gotta be real specific about what kind of gravel ride you're doing.
0: Yeah. Um I was about to talk more about gravel, then I was like, or we can move on. It's fine. Um, but Marley, you were coming on because you so you have an organization, all buddies on bikes which I feel like is self-explanatory in the sentence there, get all bodies <laughs> on bikes. But tell us a little bit about that and why, you know, it's important to kind of like, inc- like get over this idea that you have to look a certain way to be, you know, a cyclist or a triathlete or a runner.
1: Sure. That's, I love that question. Um, So all bodies on bikes started out as a social movement. Uh, we are just leading rides and giving talks and conversations about how to be more size inclusive. And that's where it really started was, you know, especially in the bike world finding clothing as a plus size person is really really hard um, and then there's also a lot of like weight limits on equipment um, and it can be prohibitive it can be like a barrier to riding a bike um, and so my co-founder and I started you know leading rides of other large bodied folks or just inviting other folks who don't feel like they belong um, we are now officially a nonprofit, which is really exciting. We have 11 chapters. Um, we're growing really, really fast. But for us, it's all about empowering joyful movement on a bike. Um, so we don't care why you're riding. We don't care what kind of bike you're riding, as long as it's safe. Little asterisk there. Um, you know How far you're riding, how fast, how hard, whatever. We just want it to be joyful for you um, because we all deserve to have that. And oftentimes, if you live in a bigger body or you know a smaller body or something outside the mainstream taller shorter whatever there's these barriers that keep you from doing this thing so we're trying to both create community and work with the bike industry to kind of solve some of those uh barriers that have been in place for a long time
3: and how how has the bike industry been responding or have they
1: uh for the most part incredibly well um yeah it's been overwhelmingly positive. Um, the bike industry you know, had this huge boom during COVID and then it's petered off. And so there's this huge conversation in the industry of how do we get those recreational riders back in store spending money? Um, and so we've kind of shown that inclusion is the way to do it, make it fun, make it accessible, make it less elitist, and people will come in and spend money and ride bikes. And so I think because we've made that business case... That it makes sense. The bike industry is like, oh yeah, tell us more. So
0: this is definitely how you convince people of all things. You're like, you can make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then- yeah. And I kind of hate it. Like, we shouldn't, it shouldn't anyway. have
1: to be like this capitalistic venture. Um, but unfortunately, that's the world we live in right now. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Well, because just- otherwise, if if these companies don't see a way to make money, they don't want to make the frames. No. And they don't want to make the clothes because. They're just looking at their bottom line, they're saying, What's the point of expanding? You know, the the options we have. So and
0: honestly, I also kind of understand that. So, like, as somebody who like is super in well, like time trial bikes, right? High-end time trial bikes in my size from a financial like I have talked to an- companies where like they made a m- mold then or frame, whatever the word is, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And um and then they couldn't sell any, like there's like a hundred people in the whole country who would buy one of these. And so they went through all this cost and then they're like, they can't make any, like it, it's cost prohibitive. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's a big problem. Um, so I kind of, I mean, I get it too. It's not just like. Yeah.
4: People. yeah. No, no. I, I, mean- had, I had to build my time trial, bike because I couldn't find one my size with the components I wanted. So I had to buy the frame separate and I bought the components I wanted and built it. Cause it, just like you said, nobody mm-hmm. was making them. So
1: yeah. And honestly, that's one of the things that we encourage folks to do, you know, especially if you're a heavier person, um, getting a frame and then getting some stronger wheels, Um, you know, getting a seat that works for you, Um, because I think a lot of folks are like. You know, they ride bikes as kids, and then when they get on a bike as an adult, they have this horrible experience because it's deeply uncomfortable. And it doesn't have to be. Um, But we don't talk a lot about the components you can change to improve your experience, especially for the more casual rider. Um, So that's another thing that we do is just we give classes on uh, bike riding for big people. We talk about comfort, we talk about fit, we talk about how to shift your gears. Um, Just a lot of things that are taken for granted by those of us who live this lifestyle every day.
0: Is it just I was about to say is it, it's not just the clothing that's like the biggest inclusivity issue then? I mean, we we started talking about bikes here, obviously it becomes one. Um trying to think other things, wetsuits, um, saddles, obviously. saddles, wetsuits,
1: okay. kayaks, kayaks, climbing gear, mm-hmm. prosthetic um, legs, prosthetic okay. legs, um, socks, protective gear for like mountain biking or rollerblading. Um, I recently moved to Bentonville, Arkansas, and I go mountain biking quite a bit. And everybody's like, Where's your padding? And I'm like, they don't make it to fit me. Um so
2: yeah. Even my so my husband's six nine and over 300 pounds, and he went through a very brief cycling phase. Um, and it was hard even getting like finding a like triple extra large bike helmet like, yep. to fit his giant head. Um yep. we got a second hand cycle across a bike that a tall-ish friend who's like six five, so still like four inches shorter than Kevin. So, cause I was like, there's no way we're going to spend all this money to buy you a custom brand new bike when we don't even know if you're going to like this. Um, he ended up breaking the crank on it cause it was Dura-Ace. Yep. And yeah, I went to like a triathlon camp that I coached at. For the summer and they roped him into becoming one of the campers instead of just a volunteer. So he broke the crank like, like, a mile into the the group bike ride and everyone was just like Whoa. because he was too
4: big or just because because he's broke.
2: so powerful oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> sure.
4: yeah he couldn't so break like-, like 105 he had to go straight to the Dura ace <laughs> Dura Ace is like the most <laughs> expensive but
2: it's like the most lightweight so it's not necessarily it's lightest, the strongest yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah And one of the challenges i don't know if your husband has experienced this jocelyn but um bike shops don't often know the weight limits of the products they sell. Yes. Um, And so it's like, you know, digging around in owner's manuals or, you know, diving around on Google. And it's like, if I'm going in to buy a bike, I want to know, you know, am I safe to ride this thing?
3: Right. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the question I would have is if you're a larger body person going into a bike shop, like what kind of reception are people getting? Like how much information do these folks know who are working at the stores, like how can we do a better job, you know, of education? Because I think that's a huge part is if we want to include people in the sport, this super awesome sport, people need to be knowledgeable about how to like set people up.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. Um, so it's actually one of our like projects for the future for All Bodies on Bikes is a retailer certification. Oh, um, and, you know, and they get a sticker and then they become part of a database. It's like, hey, these, this store knows how to treat people in different sized bodies with dignity and respect. Um, Hmm. I've I've spoken at a bunch of bike industry conferences and it's like this light bulb moment goes off for people of like, oh yeah, we do need to consider that or we do need to do training. So there's a huge recognition that it's a problem. I think it goes back to a lot of bike shop employees are making minimum wage, Um, even though it is a pretty, especially mechanics, like a skilled job, we don't pay them enough. So it's like, we're not going to necessarily spend money on super technical education, if that makes sense.
0: Right. Yeah, you are asking that, Sarah. And I was sitting here thinking like, I can't even get the bike mechanics like that I've been going to for six years to like get understand that I know more about my bike than my husband does. Right. Like yeah. I was like, we can't even get like basic concepts. Like yeah. this is my bike, not my husband's bike. Right. Like I
1: yeah. will say, like I think in the last five years things are rapidly changing as more customers have come into the shop. Um and just as word has gotten out, you know, the All Bodies on Bikes film has been seen a quarter of a million times oh, and a oh, lot nice. of that is industry folks saying, "Hey, thanks for bringing up this conversation" or, you know, industry folk who work in bigger bodies saying, "We've been screaming this from the rooftops. Like, thank you for bringing this to kind of the forefront." Hmm. Yeah. You
0: know what else I've noticed and maybe this will be our end of the gear I have a question. Even when there is very inclusive gear like for bikes or clothing or wetsuits or pro- I find that often it's the it's beginner level.
4: There's yes, rarely
0: like high-end gear that's outside of like what we think a super fast person. Thinks.
1: Yeah. Well, because, I mean, you know, you can't be fast or skilled if you're fat, right?
0: Right. That's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: I had somebody the other day, uh, I was having a conversation. We were talking about Unbound and this kind of third party bystander that was standing there was said, wait, you rode 100 miles like last month? I was like, yeah, in this body, I rode 103 yeah. 100- miles. Actually.
4: In, in one day.
2: In one yeah, yeah it wasn't <laughs> in less than one day 16 <laughs> hours. hours yep yeah all
0: right we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back uh we're gonna try and explain athena and Clydesdale divisions tomorrow later.
1: yes and why they're necessary
0: all right Alyssa, i'm like starting to swim more again and i feel like you were swimming a lot last year with oh with
5: one water and how did you keep your hair from getting so destroyed I was swimming so much last year and I used TryHard, Kelly, and I still swear by it. They have extensively researched this problem and created a superior vegan, dermatologically tested proprietary blend. TryHard has shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more stuff. Everything you're going to need for your pre and post swim necessities. I've also seen that top pros like Chelsea Sodaro and Lucy Charles Barkley also praise the effectiveness of TryHard. I think it's like, Definitely changed how
0: good I feel just coming out of chlorine. And we have a code right now too for anyone who wants to try, you know, try try hard and stop suffering from dry, itchy skin, having their hair get all you know green, which happens to me because mine's like super blonde and get all beat up. You can try any of the try hard products with the code twenty feisty. That's two zero feisty for twenty percent off. Store wide at tryhard.co. So that's 20 feisty for 20% off at tryhard.co.
5: Iron Women is excited to announce a new partnership with Bicycle, the largest global marketplace for pre owned bikes. With more than 20,000 pre-owned and refurbished road, gravel, mountain, and triathlon bikes available, Bicycle connects buyers and sellers on a global scale and makes the process of buying and selling bikes safe, easy, and convenient for riders. We all know there are plenty of marketplaces and classified sites out there, but what sets Bicycle apart is their guaranteed buyer protection, secure payments, simple shipping, and first-class customer service. Additionally, when you sell a bike, Bicycle provides a bike box directly to your door and coordinates pickup at a time that works best for your schedule. That kind of service has me swayed and I'm cleaning up one of my old race bikes to sell on Bicycle right now. For a limited time, you can save up to $100 on your purchase at Bicycle by entering the code FEISTYTRY, all caps in one word, at checkout. That's code FEISTYTRY at Bicycle.com. B U Y C Y C L E dot com.
0: I'm personally very excited to have Precision Fuel and Hydration signing on as a feisty try sponsor. Mostly because of their commitment to education and making sure all the women lining up for triathlons this year have all the information you need to fuel your races. Like women uh, often underfuel and they more typically complain about gel consistency. I know I do, uh, which is why I personally really love the light and easy to get down precision gels, which still have 30 grams of carbohydrates. Precision Fuel and Hydration has also recently signed on as the official hydration partner for Ironman races in Europe, which means that the PF1000 electrolyte mix will be on course at all European races this summer for the bike and run. The 1000 mix delivers 1000 milligrams of sodium per liter or about 500 milligrams per 16 ounce water bottle, which is about the average sodium sweat concentration across thousands of sweat tests they've done on triathletes. And because it's a low calorie drink, it also lets you decouple your fueling and your hydration and that can be helpful you know when there are so many different factors to keep track of in ironman races but the most important thing is testing it all for yourself which is why you can use precision's sweat testing spreadsheet to do your own testing and calculate your own sweat loss and i know that can sound intimidating i i felt like that too but it's really super manageable when you enter your numbers into their formula And then you can book your own totally free consultation with their sports scientists, like no sales necessary. Um, You can find a wealth of information, all of this in their precision knowledge hub, and you can test out their gels, drink mixes, electrolyte pills, and the specially formulated flow gel, which is made exactly for how people fuel in long course triathlon, it's like really handy. Get 15% off your first order with the code FTP15. That's FTP like feisty try podcast and the number one, five, or, you know, like functional threshold power, FTP15 at pfandh.com. All right. Who wants to take on explaining why we have Athena and Clydesdale divisions?
3: I actually do not know the history of this. I want to know somebody knows the history of who decided this is a good idea in triathlon because I don't think it exists in other endurance
4: sports. It's so weird to me. I just remember it was 145 and then the year that I started doing triathlon and then it went to like 165 and I just thought it was funny because I was like, yo, I could gain 10 pounds and be Athena. That would be like crazy. Yeah. yeah, I was
3: uh, one forty
1: five in like seventh grade, I think.
3: Right, You're like, it's, not- <laughs> it's it's so arbitrary, and I'm I'm guessing there are people
0: for whom like it is it feels good, it feels special. Yeah. I will tell you, I will tell you, I've been in groups with larger bodied people uh, who really value it because they think like it's the same as age grade, right? I think the reason triathlon it came out of triathlon, is triathlon has this whole ethos of like very small age groups and competing against your equivalents, right? And we're very into this idea of like fairness, which I always have to say like in quotes, right? And this idea that like, you know, level playing field and you are only beating the other people like you. And so I think, I think, and also we obviously have this kind of like other weird history of like, my dad's overweight. And so this was his phrase, but when we were standing there at the midnight night finish of an Iron Man, he's like, "My favorite are the fatties," and I was like, "Great,
4: Dad, cool, <laughs> I, I love it." But he to like, clear,
1: I love the term fat. You know, right. I have reclaimed it, um, and I, I know it? a lot of other large body folks have too. It is not this insulting. This
0: was him feeling like he saw himself, and he was like, "This, these are my people." Exactly. So obviously, trying. You can't has- forget there's phat, so that's really good <laughs> too. Say so, hey. what he meant. Yeah. But, <laughs> My voice, is like triathlon, also has this whole like, hit, like thing around that and around losing weight as a way, which is another. Th- so I can see why and where we got this idea that like people over a certain weight should compete against other people like them, so that it's not unfair that they are like losing to all these super skinny,
2: yeah, tiny people. So <laughs> I have personally competed in Athena. So I can talk about my experiences, but I mean, I've been, I've been a triathlete since I was 18 years old and I'm 41 now. So, um, and I'm taller. So hitting, it was actually, it used to be 150 pounds. And I've always been right around there, you know, plus or minus 10, 15, depending on where I was. But, uh, when it was one fifty i there was local running races when I lived in Dallas that had Athena and actually for the men they had Clydesdale I think they had Clydesdale, Rhino, and hippo,
4: yeah, that's right. what they have in West Africa they have the rhino in the the
2: hippo uh category and yeah, so like the 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 weight categories like just kept going up. So I competed in in running races as an Athena. Um as an age grouper in triathlon, I'd been competitive enough that I raced age group. Um but you know the men's weight I want to say it used to be 200, now it's 220, which is still not very high. So yeah. it's um but I don't I don't think it's silly at all. So, when I was pregnant, I was well over the new Athena threshold. And it was also during COVID time. So, my local tri club had a virtual duathlon. And I think I was like four months pregnant. And I was like, well, I can't fit on my time trial bike. I got to like ride my road bike because I'm more upright now (laughs) with the belly. And I can't go balls to the wall because I'm growing a baby and don't want to put the baby in danger so I was like I'm gonna race as an Athena checked with our race director that do I have to weigh in do I have to like prove what my weight is because some people will look at me and be like she's not a quote-unquote Athena and that in fact happened uh, because you got like
0: some uh what's the nice word for some shit you
2: got some shit I got some shit from uh, another club member that I had never met in person, also an Asian American woman. So that's also deceiving is people that just see me on social media assume that I am a standard 5'2 Chinese American chick that (laughs) no way could be an Athena weight. And so she said it wasn't fair that I was mocking the Athena category, and it was kind of it was kind of nuts because it's strictly a weight category. It's not a BMI category. Not that BMI has any actual we're, relevance whoa. to I was help. Like, We're
0: not even yeah. We're not <laughs> not even gonna we like don't jump even need that. to go there.
2: <laughs> but out of that conversation, I actually posted a, like the exchange on my personal Facebook, and so many people like were super supportive. And then one of my friends who is in a much bigger body, um, she actually invited me to the Facebook Athena Triathletes Facebook group, mm-hmm. which Leslie Battle started. And it's like such an amazing, inclusive, supportive space that I like have remained a member of because everyone like this is where you hear like about the issues that triathletes women have with like sizing. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some women race Athena just because they are like significantly taller and like moving that amount of mass compared to someone that's like a more average size is, you know, technically it is harder. Yeah. yeah I and mean, I think people like the community
0: in some ways too. Well,
1: yeah. I, I have to be clear, I have nothing wrong with Athena, Clydesdale, you know, whatever it is. Um,
0: it's just I like think, unique to us.
1: Yeah. I think, I think triathlon is a much more competitive mindset um, and you do want to be, you know, racing against folks who are facing the same challenges as you. Um, I, my thing with Athena and Clyde styles, I wish the weight limit was higher, um, but I realistically have zero skin in the game. So my experience or my opinion doesn't really matter.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I, I I guess for me, the question is, is it empowering or is it diminishing? And like, it totally depends on the individual, whether or not you find community, or it's something where, I, I just in general, like I think Marley said, I wish it was slightly less about what category can I be in so I can be most competitive, and more just, how about we just celebrate, like, covering the distance, and how awesome it is we're all doing the sport. And yeah. it's something that I I really do struggle with. Uh, There's such a deeply ingrained part of the triathlon culture is that competitive aspect instead of hey let's just celebrate like hanging out and doing something awesome together
0: this is coming from like one of the best triathletes in the world right
3: no but i love it <laughs> like i i <laughs> yeah. no, i mean it's i i love the sport i love oh, yeah. the community yeah. aspect of it um yeah, well, I, I, just happen, that, you know? I just happen to be able to make it a job but like right. I don't know. I don't think of myself as any more valid than somebody who's just making that like finishing at the back. And in
0: fact, for other people. What do you think? What do you think about the fact that there are Clydesdale and Athena divisions at the national championships?
2: Which I know. So Leslie battle, who is like very, she's,
4: she's 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 super competitive,
2: huge advocate of like, including Athena's and Clydesdale. So for, being in her group, I've learned that for a while they actually separated the Athena and Clydesdale National Championships, mm-hmm. where they would have like nationals in Milwaukee for all the age groupers. And then they would have Athena and Clydesdale nationals at like a completely different, yeah. random, smaller venue. So she really advocated for them to bring it to the same venue. And I, yeah, so it is.
0: Yeah,
3: I think that's great because ultimately, at the end of the day, I just want more people enjoying the sport. And if it means they're going to be enjoying the sport more because they feel like there's a space for them, awesome.
2: So um, you're you're saying the thing with empowering versus diminishing. It's like it's up to the in- individual to opt in. So if you make, meet this weight limit, you don't have to race as an Athena. You can still race as an age grouper instead of an Athena. And what I have. Also learned is that race directors, I feel like Marley needs to give the race directors a course on how to treat Athenas and Clydesdales with like respect and dignity, because I've heard these Athena triathletes getting really excited that they were going to like win an award and they never call out the awards for the Athenas thinking that it's like degrading to be called up. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think people think that we are like afraid to acknowledge that we're in bigger bodies. But like we live this every day. You know, we go to the plus size section of the store. Um I'm not ha- like I wear bikinis cuz like either you're going to see me in a bikini or a one piece. I'm still fat regardless. Um and I think a lot of folks are similarly. Like if they're going to have an Athena category, you better dang uh, give those awards out. I yes. feel like having a non-binary category and not having a non-binary podium
0: hmm. I think it's interesting what you're making. Like, uh, and I think we we're talking about this with prosthetics. If we're going to treat weight as simply like one other factor in a, like, like, yes, I am blonde and objectively, I weigh this amount, yes. then you have to treat it that way. Because I gotta tell you, like, I actually have been going through this whole hormonal issue. And I told my doctor, well, like, I'm putting on weight and I shouldn't be like, there's no, re- like, it's a hormonal issue. And he was like, oh, well, you're still small. You look good. And I was like, no, man, like, this is not, that's not the point. That's, that's not, not the, the point. point. <laughs> like, yeah. It's <sighs> how
4: you feel comfortable. Yeah.
0: I was like, yep. this is a medical symptom of an issue. So. Yep.
4: All
0: right, guys. You know what though? This is what made think of. You guys were asking last week on the podcast I wasn't on about the Dipsy, which is the oldest trail race in the country. And one of the big oh. things about the Dipsy is that it's well. One thing about it is that any route to the finish, you can take whatever shortcut you want. Though they have like some things are off limits now. You're not allowed to like cut through people's houses anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then there's also it's handicapped by age and gender, so anyone can win, which is like crazy. But it used to be individually handicapped where like each individual person got a handicap based so that literally anyone could win. And there's this race here in Marin, like a sibling race that still is. So you have to write into the handicapper like you're, so- you're trying to like really downplay yourself like, oh, I'm really slow this year. I really and we could do that
2: in triathlon. Right. So every single person is like. Okay, so I could put like I only train four hours a week.
4: Yeah, you only like, a bigger the head start. <laughs> but you know how triathletes are. Every race is the hottest, has the most climbing. They've been through yeah. the most struggles. It'll never end. I mean, it'll be like
0: <laughs> I won that one one year because I wrote such a good. I got such a good handicap because I wrote such a good. <laughs> so it pays to be
2: a good writer,
0: Kelly. <laughs>
1: That's so silly.
0: Yeah. So maybe I was just, to Sarah's point about being competitive, I was like, maybe this is the answer. We all get our own. Handicaps. Competitive
3: complaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who complains about themselves the most? You're like, yeah. oh, I have a cold. My <laughs> belly hurts.
1: <laughs> I have- oh, yeah. oh, I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to say that. I was about to say I have really crappy components on my bike. Right. I don't. So that's not true. But somebody else could write in and say that.
0: Exactly.
1: I have great bike sponsors. (laughs)
0: Like they're great. (laughs) All right. Before we like do Sarah's random question, I wanted to. So the reason I wasn't here last week is I was at the female athlete conference with Sarah and Celine, also from Feisty. And the thing about the female athlete conference is there's all these updates on like the latest research on on women and females. Um. And so what did they find out? Yeah. uh, The general theme was like we need to do more research. Very. (laughs) It's very illuminating, yeah. <laughs> well, there was a big update on concussion protocols. Exercise is good. There's an update coming on Reds, which big update is we
2: call it Reds now, not instead of red s instead red of s. female s. athlete triad, right,
1: right. Mm-hmm. Is
0: big that
2: update. where you
1: lose your period you stop obvi- yes. or stop menstruating because you are working out too much or something?
0: Yeah, relative energy deficit. so yeah, big update, still eating, not eating enough is still a problem, still causes lots of injuries. Yeah, it's not good.
2: I want to hear more about the study with the monkey. <laughs>
0: right. So there were all these li- different studies. And so I was telling, uh, or I was telling people in the newsletter this week, there's this one study where uh, what well, they were measuring the hormone levels of women going through basic training. And basically no one ovulates during, is what they found out. And this like, didn't really make sense because some of them were still getting periods and also didn't really make sense because they were like eating enough. And like, why are they not like, they're not that stressed out. So there was a study on monkeys. A similar study on monkeys, where when they stressed the monkeys out, a few of them like didn't ovulate. Like hormones levels went down, and when they didn't feed the monkeys enough, a few of them hormone levels went down. But when they stressed the monkeys out and they didn't feed them enough, everyone like lost like stopped ovulating. And so Johnson just thinks it's funny because the way they stressed them out was by putting their cages by monkeys they didn't like.
2: Yeah. So then I said, this is like, it reminded me a lot about like freshman year moving to college, being in dorms with like this new roommate person, stranger that you just like didn't like, or going to training camp Mm -hmm. with other crazy pro triathletes that all pretend to like each other, but maybe don't. I mean, the researchers were all like
0: dumbfounded. I was listening to that and I was like, yeah, man, stress is stress. Like, you put me by some people I don't like and make me train every day. Like, no way am I getting pregnant. Like my body would shut that shit down.
2: Yeah. That actually unlocked a core college memory. Cause I, I thought I was getting my period every two weeks and like went to a doctor and they're like, Oh no, you're not ovulating. So yeah. it does happen. It's, it's real. You're Bodies are wild. Things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I actually going back to unbound real quickly. I got my period in the middle of unbound. That was oh, fun. That yeah.
2: Like fun. We yeah. like talking about periods on this podcast. <laughs> I
0: don't know that you we know.
2: all do. I don't know if it's like a topic.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's real life. <laughs> did your support crew have supplies
2: for that? Or I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did the crew for hire have period products? Sarah they probably did if I would have asked.
1: I just decided to free bleed. Like my, the first day of my period is always very light and the chamois is quite absorbent.
2: So. Oh, it is kind of like
0: period underwear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is supposedly like causing everyone cancer, by the way. Isn't that like, oh,
1: the, the PF, P- yeah.
2: P- F- whatever.
1: Oh, the forever P- chemicals, the PFAS.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. PFAS. Mm. Mm. All right. Mm. On that note, I feel like it's <laughs> time for Sarah's <laughs>
0: random question of the
3: day. Okay. This is super random. Um, So before the podcast, we we're talking a little bit about Orca Wetsuits. That's it's, it's one of the sponsors. And this got me thinking about Orcas in general. And for a while researchers saw that orcas were wearing salmon on their head. Like just these pods of sa- of orcas were going around with salmon on their head. Now, I want to ask everybody why like what is what is their first thought? Like why was the or- why were these orcas wearing salmon on their head? Or salmon.
0: Okay. 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 So I actually talked to an orca researcher today. This is really right. Yeah. Because there's been these like pods off the San Francisco Bay attacking so-
4: boats. No. Are oh, there sand on their head?
0: <laughs> no. But what he told. So, no, they are just like trying to eat. But what he told me was they fight with humpback whales um, and gray whales because they eat their babies. They like orcas will attack gray whale babies. So now gray whales and humpback whales will literally save seals from orcas just to fuck with the orcas. So Ooh. my guess is that is that the orcas were using the salmon to draw seals in cuz apparently they all just like fuck with each other legitimately. I
4: think that this might be the This sounds like real some answer. petty high school stuff. I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I <don't>, I'm not <laughs> I thought maybe it
2: was like a mating thing cuz like <laughs> it looks like a cute little hat. I think it was like a snack for later.
1: Like just holding on to it for when they get hungry.
3: I think I, was I gave like the with actual like fashion answer. trends. Fashion <laughs> trend for sure. Like uh, yeah. once one person, it's like you know how crocs like at first they're like, huh what? But then everybody starts wearing crocs. Oh I'm my like, god, okay. all my young like, prosthetic
2: I, patients are wearing yeah, crocs.
3: Like, Listen, wearing a salmon on my head, next week it's gonna be a halibut. You never know. <laughs> I think I gave like the actual answer. Like <laughs> Khadija has no answer. She's like, What no, is I'm... this podcast? I told you it was a <laughs> random question. So Ellie funny. actually gave a pretty good answer here. All right. Well, thank you, Marley, for being on the podcast. Thank you it was for having an me. Pleasure.
1: Yeah, and I would actually—I'd be very again. curious to try a triathlon because um, I love swimming. I love biking. Running would be the big challenge, but you can walk, right?
0: Absolutely. There's a gravel try in Alabama. You should do it.
1: Okay, send me that info. Mm-hmm. I am right. so glad
3: that we didn't completely scare you off of triathlon. We're oh, no. we're nice people. We're nice people in triathlon, and we should um, have you back after you do that gravel triathlon
1: yeah let's make it a thing let's do it
3: awesome well thanks for listening to another week of before riding and in the meantime if you have any great explanations for why orcas wear salmon on their head please send us a voicemail my time, my time. none of you people can
4: tell me to stop my town my crown we know what it takes to be reaching the top we're
5: reaching the top we're reaching the top we know what it takes to be reaching the top
3: Chasing Epic is the essence of the Orca brand. It's about seeking moments in life that make us feel truly alive and connected to the beauty of the world around us. And let's be honest, with a lot of swim, bike, and run, we get to see a lot of beauty. Orca's been a long time partner in Feisty and we work with them year after year because we love their products and their commitment to creating amazing wetsuits made for women. I absolutely love my Orca wetsuit. Apex is number one, but There's a range of triathlon wetsuits. You can choose between flexibility, buoyancy, or a combination of both. Really, there's a wetsuit for every triathlete and for all of your epic adventures. As a feisty listener, you can get 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. Get out there and chase some epic, friends.
0: Jocelyn, I know, know we're getting older, and aging, and you've been using Aminoco's heel as part of your like
2: post-workout recovery, right? Yeah, it seems like after I became a mom and then turned 40, my recovering abilities really tanked. So as you remember, I then tore my meniscus, had to get surgery in my knee, and now I've had this lingering ligament injury in my foot. So I've been adding a scoop of the chocolate-flavored heel to like either a glass of chocolate milk or a recovery smoothie. And I love that it helps accelerate muscle repair and reduce inflammation so I can keep training and racing hard in my 40s.
0: Yeah. And so you use the Aminoco Heal Chocolate. How do you like it? How's it taste?
2: It tastes pretty good. I mix it up with a bunch of stuff. So it's like, tastes like a chocolate shake. And all Aminoco products are 100% science
0: backed. It's you know, Feisty's go-to essential amino acids. And you can get 30% off with the code WRITING, as in if we were writing, at aminoco.com slash WRITING. You'll also get a free gift for new purchasers. That's aminoco, A-M-I-N-O-C-O com slash WRITING and use the code WRITING at checkout for 30% off and a free gift.